Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, this man is probably the most famous decathlete the world has ever seen. He won gold at the Olympic Games in 80 and 84. He broke the world record four times. Two Olympic golds, three Commonwealth titles, European championships, three computer games made in his honour. He was um, MBE, then CBE, BBC Sports Personality of the Year, even after... Uh, his Olympics, he played professional football, lots of uh, business and uh, ambassador and charity roles that he's formed now. We had a great time. We went to his gym uh, and we did the interview in his gym like I did with Dorian Yates. Uh, we went for sushi after and spent a, long, a lot of time together. Uh, I think you're going to love it. He talked about his rivalry uh, with Jürgen Hingson, who's, you know, the, at one point, um, Jürgen got the same score as Daly. Daly still won, shows you the small margins. He talked about a lot about the small margins of victory, what he does after his passion for Olympics. He says in the interview, he feels like he's the luckiest man in the world. I think you're going to love this. So let's get straight in with the interview with Daly Thompson. Daly, thanks for allowing us in your gym. No problem, Rob. It's uh, good to have you here. Yeah, what a great place. So uh, we were just talking before the cameras started rolling and I asked you if you missed your old days of sport. Can we talk about that? Absolutely, but, and the answer to the question was, uh, was yes, because yeah. I think that being a professional sportsman is probably the best life in the world, yeah. slightly better than being a property investor. <laughs> but, uh, and the reasons for that is that you're doing the thing that you love best, mm-hmm. you're usually with your mates doing it, you're doing it somewhere warm, yeah. and, uh, and best of all, you're young and have no responsibility. So. Yeah. You know, the harder you want to work, the hopefully the, the more you'll get out of it. So you never really saw it as a chore to train? You, did you love to train or were you the kind of like... Because Muhammad Ali always says he never really used to like training, but he trained because he wanted to be the best. But I think there are other sportsmen who, you know, who love the training as well as the competing. Where, where does Daly fit in that? Uh, I reckon I, I, fit in, I fit in the last one because yeah. in athletics, I think, uh, and, and what they call uh, performance sports, so Olympic type sports, uh, it's, it is all about how much work you put in because yeah. everybody's talented. Yeah. Everybody you know, is, can do you know, up to a certain level, but it's usually the people that, uh, that work a little harder and, and get tougher mentally through, through that hard work who, uh, who tend to prevail. So if you, say, compare yourself to other great decathletes... As I do. Of course, that's, that's the curse, I guess. Of, um, what, what do you think gave you the edge? Uh, to be honest, I think that um, I was mentally better than 95% of the people, actually it's a lie, 99% of the people that, uh, yeah. that I competed against. And to be honest, I, I think that is all based on uh, a foundation of, uh, of hard work. Yeah. Because I, obviously over the years I've met a lot of people and I've met a couple of people who are more talented than me. Right. I've met probably a couple of people who work harder than me, but I've never met anybody that has got both. So. Right. And so when you say that the mental edge, is there anything specific you can say? I mean, seeing as you don't compete anymore, your competitors aren't going to nick your tricks, so I guess... No, I, well, I don't think, again, I, I don't think they're tricks. I, no. I just think that, you know, when, when you go to, to a big competition, 
and you're expecting to do well, there's a, there's a lot of pressure about that. Mm. And I know Olympic champions and world record holders who don't enjoy being under that kind of pressure because at a major games, everybody is living in a village mm. and that, that doesn't suit some people. No. They don't like having everybody around them and the only thing being about the games and that's the only conversation and, and, and they don't enjoy being in the lunch queue with all their competitors and all that because they, they just don't enjoy that tension. Whereas me, it's the best thing in the whole world because I want to see everybody every day and I want to, I want to be right in the mix. Mm. I mean, we're in your gym and you're here a lot, aren't you? It's not just yeah, like, I'm here. I'm you don't just put days. your face on the no. window outside. And no, I'm here most days, but then I, but then I think that, you know, if, if I'm going to have a gym, I might as well, yeah. you know, work it as, as much as I can. So four or five days a week, I do classes and, yeah. and do a bit of personal training. Mm. Okay, so back to the mental side of the game then, and let's talk a bit about the pressure. Um, so th there must have been massive expectation on you and I always got the impression watching you that you just look like you're always enjoying it and I don't know if you just hid it well but like it, you never really seemed like you felt the pressure but it must have sometimes have been pretty immense. Well no, I, again it's, it's, it's like I was previously alluding to it. I think that some people don't see it as pressure, some people just see it as another great day at work and, yeah. and that's how I always find it, found it. I, I really enjoy being competitive because for me, it's not about winning or losing. It's right. only about doing as well as I can. And I've always been of the mind that, you know what, if it doesn't work today, I'm gonna go away, I'm gonna work really harder. Yeah. And the next time I'm, I do it, I'm gonna be better. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I don't actually mind if I lost once in a while, I didn't, but <laughs> well, yeah, it's but, easy to say that, yeah, isn't it? You never absolutely, lost. So. Absolutely. So, but you know, I, I think that again, it just just being strong mentally just just helps. Yeah. And do you think if maybe you place too much importance on winning, that can have that big, give you that pressure? Yeah. Well, well, I think it's a lot to do with it. Is is just the fact that people don't don't get along with it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that what you can do, and, I, and very few people do this, you, you can practice being competitive. Yeah. And I don't know that you can, you know, change a, a lamb into a lion, but you can make yourself into a really fierce lamb. Right. Yeah. And a, a, a fierce lamb, I like a that. A fierce lamb. Yeah. And, and people don't practice it enough. Yeah. Whereas when I was training and, and stuff, every day, I used to try and do something to the very best of my ability. Right. So that after a year or two, I knew that my, the worst performance that I'd done this year would be good enough to, to do it. So yeah. you go into the circle or you stand at the end of the long jump runway and you know that you've never done less than this. So mm. why should you today? Yeah, reminds me, there's a, um, a famous golf sort of psychology coach called Bob Rotella, because um, my son's he was the best five-year-old golfer in the world, but then he turned six, so. Um, <laughs> and he said, and I'm, I think I'm getting this from you, he said, practice like it's a competition so you can compete like it's a practice. There you go. Is that maybe how you saw it or how you maybe did it? Yeah. You see, your golf man said it well, but not as well as me. Yeah, of course. But yeah, no, <laughs> but, but, yeah but, that's, but that's exactly, that for me, the competition is the fun bit. Yeah. The hard bit is the 350 days mm. that you've spent training 
yeah. beforehand, getting ready to have the easy bit. You know, because on any given month, I might have done 3,000 javelin throws. Wow. But in the competition, you've only got three. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And what, what kept you doing that for so long? I mean, you, weren't you like 10 years and no one beat you? Yeah, I kept doing it because it's the thing I enjoyed yeah. most in the world. And, yeah. you know, it's, and when you find something that, you know, is you, you know, you, you want to stay with it. Yeah. Do you remember the time? Because it's, like, it's not like there's a university degree, degree in decathlon. It's kind of like, how do, you, how do you get into that? Do you remember the time when you were like, this is my thing? I remember I used to be, um, I used to be a sprinter when, yeah. when I was growing up. And I had a coach called Bob. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came up to me one day and he said, look, he says, four of the guys in my athletics club, they're going to do a team decathlon. And I said, oh, what's a decathlon? I was 16. Yeah. I said, what's a decathlon? And he explained it all to me. And I said, oh, I said, sounds really fun, but I haven't done seven of those things before. I've only done three of them. Mm. And he said, oh, okay, no problem. He said, uh, do you think you'd like to go to it? And I said, why? And he said, well, one of the guys has got chicken pots and they need four people to go. Because yeah. even if you just start and you don't finish, it's okay because it's three to score. Yeah. And those three, they're pretty good. They'll, they'll go and do it. So I said, oh yeah, okay, I'll do it. So I had three weeks practice and uh, doing all the things, trying the pole vault and, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, guess what happened? Yeah, I think we know Guess who won. Yeah, yeah. No, but, but, the, but the thing was, because you do the decathlon over two days, and on the night in between, I remember I, remember I was in a tent because didn't have enough money to go <laughs> and stay in the hotel. So I was in a tent, but I remember on a night in between thinking to myself, I'm going to be really good at this. Yeah. This, is, this is me. Just knew. Absolutely. Yeah, did, um, did you ever thank that guy who had chicken pox? No. Ah, maybe you should. <laughs> That's, uh, it's funny how these sort of serendipitous yeah. moments Absolutely. happen. Absolutely. It's that sliding doors thing. Yeah. It's, and yeah. you just never know what's, a, yeah. what's around the corner. Okay, so maybe we'll come back to the sport. Um, I try my podcast to talk about things that maybe you haven't talked about 550 times in interviews. So, should we talk about your uh, after decathlon um, business? Is it something, you know, you've had to reinvent yourself because mm -hmm. you couldn't do what you did forever. So, um, how did you do that? Well, to be honest, for, for a few years, a couple of years, I was, I was lost, didn't have a lot to do because when you've done something 350 days a year, mm. six hours a day, it's it's a fairly it large happens to a lot of sports people, yeah, doesn't it? Fairly large hole to fill. And the problem is, is because you're so young, you haven't really had that much time to think about the mm. sorts of things. In fact, to be truthful, I still struggle with it today. Yeah. Because, you know, there's not a, I'm not outside of sports, I'm not actually very ambitious. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, I want I want the kids to do well at mm. school and, and all that kind of but personally I I've done most of the things, I've met most of the people I want to meet, and I've been to most of the places I want to go. So yeah. anybody that knows me now would tell you what a boring git I am. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, it's, it was difficult. And to be honest, I, f I just filled it up with, you know, a couple of appearances a month or in the summertime, just, you know, working for the BBC and, and things like that. Yeah. Because this actually in the gym, and I'm, I'm nearly 60 now, is my first real job. Right. And how do you find having a job now? Um, do you know what I find is that, and which I, one of the things I didn't realise, is that we have 16 or 17 people work here 
and it's not it's an awful lot of responsibility mm. <laughs> knowing that every second friday in the month or, or what it is yeah you have to have payroll yeah and you know sometimes on a wednesday <laughs> yeah where's the money no yeah. it, exactly yeah. and it's and it's really it is it's really stressful having to uh, mm. having to make sure that everybody's okay and yeah. and all that and sometimes the things are just out of your control mm. you know the yeah. you know the dd's haven't yeah. haven't materialized or, or for you know because they're stuck in the in yeah. the ether yeah yeah so it's uh, it's a it's a whole different uh, whole different experience mm. and uh, it's takes a bit of getting used to yeah but but it's okay i mean yeah. and it's long hours cuz you know it's it's my place so I have, to, I have to be here at unsocial hours, and occasionally I have to do things that, uh, that I might not even do at home, like wash the toilets out and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Mm. You wouldn't believe how mucky people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah it's, it's a good learning experience. Yeah, and going from the very, very hyper-individual sport that you did to the team sport, obviously playing in your football days and now here, differences? Is it one you prefer? Yeah, I think uh, I prefer just being in charge of my own destiny. I think that, um, and this is no slight on anybody, but most people that I, that I meet are not motivated. Yeah. You know, they, they're quite happy just to do the minimum standard. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's good. Yeah. And, and I think that finding like-minded, motivated people is difficult. And I suspect it's the same for just about any business, Yeah. you know. And of course I'm the owner, but most of the time throughout my life, I tend to try and do, if I think it's worth doing, as, as good a job as I can. Yeah. And I know your parents tell you that when you're young, do all that, but that's how I try and live, so. Yeah, okay. So you've done three, I believe, computer games, when I say done them, they've been Yeah, they've, done. Done, they've been done, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you find that? Because I've not interviewed anybody who's had computer games ah. made on their, um, on their image. Well, the, the funny thing is, is that I can honestly say, I, I think the first one came out in 84. I'm or pretty sure I played at least one of them. Yeah, okay, yeah. right, so they've been- Listers on the fingers, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. And I'm not buying you a joystick and all that. <laughs> but I, I reckon there's not been a day since then when somebody at some point during the day hasn't walked up to me and said, oh, I used to play your game. Yeah. And do you love that or do you get bored of that? No, 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 it, do you know what? It's, it's nice. Yeah. It's nice that people, A, can be bothered to, yeah. to say hi. But and also, you made a mark on someone, yeah, didn't you? And, yeah, and also it's nice to leave a nice, yeah. a nice, uh, a nice mark on something. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Did you deal with the business affairs of that, or are you, no, are you no, very... I had an agent, and, right. and they they did all that. And yeah. And what did you have to do? Did you just have to? No, I think just had to put my name to oh, it. Oh, you just endorsed it. Day, yep. And um, you know, financially, did it work out? It was good, was it, to do that? Well, yeah. It uh, it, it made a few quid, and uh, and and obviously that was at a time when when athletes didn't make a lot of money so yeah. you know even a few thousand pounds then yeah. was uh, was was a king's ransom to me yeah. so yeah no it, it was really good and and of course you know if, if I was doing it now and it, and it was as successful then yeah I'd be probably loaded but uh, it was it was nice to have been at, at the start of it sure do you think it's important as a sports person to embrace the ambassadorial roles and the sponsorships endorsements all of that because I can imagine if you're a sportsman, you're not necessarily a businessman. And I can imagine there's a bit of a conflict inside about that. I didn't used to. I, I didn't used to. When I, was, um, when I was competing and stuff, I, all I ever wanted to do was, 
have enough money for lunch yeah. and just to be able to go training because I was only interested in being the best sports person that, that I could possibly be. Yeah. And from, from my point of view, that really meant that I didn't want any distractions and just wanted to, to get on with it and just go training every day and mm. see my friends and, yeah. and do that. But obviously, you know, as you, as you grow a little older and you've got kids and all that kind of stuff, you, you realise that, that life is, is slightly bigger. Mm. I'm not sure that I would have necessarily changed my opinion, yeah. but you understand that there is a, another way to do it. And also, in sport, you know, you can get to your 30s and it's over. Absolutely. And nothing wrong with cashing in on your own brand, surely. I mean, that's the way I see it. I mean, it may be different, but... I think, again, it's a, it's a personal thing. From my own point of view, I, I think that there are two or three ways that once you've made a mark in, in sport, there's two or three ways you can go. Uh, so you can either get out there, be famous and, and earn a few quid. You can not do a lot and just, you know, just move on. Yeah. And or, or you can go somewhere in between. And I've kind of mostly gone down the road of that's all in the past and yeah. I've moved, moved on a little. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's, that isn't everybody's way and, and I don't think either way is right or wrong. Mm -hmm. But I, th I just think that, that for me, as, as I say, it was never about being famous or, or anything. I just wanted to be the best athlete in the world. Yeah. Okay. So, loaded question because I know there was any, but did you have any real big rivalries when you were in your heyday? Yeah, I had, uh, I had a terrific uh, rivalry with, a, with a, some Germans. Uh, the, the biggest and best one was a guy called Jürgen Hinkson. Yeah. And uh, it was, it, to be honest, I think it was the thing that made me because in, in sport, if you're, miles, if you're really, really good and miles better than everybody, people kind of admire the performance. But I think people are much more interested when there's a little bit of friction out there yeah. or there's a little or there's some kind of rivalry well, that's and what boxing had in the 80s and 90s absolutely. it's missing it now absolutely. isn't it i know we sound like old men but no no but we are yeah well you are yeah but uh, no it's it's exactly that and i and i think that the fact that that he was a white guy and i was black and and he was german and, yeah, and i was yeah. english and i just think that that kind of really made it something that, that people got interested in and it was it was good for was both that, was that really real for you or was that a bit fueled by the media or, you, or a bit both oh listen no i was trying to kill him every time because right? <laughs> yeah. once you get out there it's you know it's kill or be killed you've yeah. got you're out there to you yeah. know you haven't you haven't been wasting all those six seven hour days of training no. you gotta yeah of course you gotta do it yeah and uh, at one point did you um obsess over him in, in the or your competition did it f just c consume you or were you able to compartmentalize it uh i think it would probably be fair to say that i was totally consumed yeah you know and, and seriously i was i was taking 12 or 14 days off a year yeah wow you know and you know i was i was out there I, as as people say i was out there on christmas day and yeah. I was doing all that stuff yeah. because, and that's probably the, 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 greatest, the greatest thing that I can say about Jürgen Hinkson is that because of him, I was, I was out there, you know, doing it yeah. when, when, when people were indoors and yeah. it's pouring with rain or snowing or whatever. I'd be mm. out there clearing the track and spend my hour or two out there, so. Yeah. And do you think he made you a better decathlete? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have, 
I don't think I would have scored the same scores and because the rest of the world were a little bit further behind and it wouldn't have been so difficult. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was perfect for me. Yeah. You know, I had somebody who was really close and that motivated me like, and I was already motivated. Yeah, of course. But I, yeah, it motivated yeah. me but that to, might have been the extra 5%. Absolutely. Yeah. It could have been 1%. Yeah. Because the strange thing is when our decathlon scores are exactly the same. His and, our, his and mine. Right. So theoretically, we're, uh, we were tied. Yeah. But I always beat him, as I tell him. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see him. So you, you still see him every now Absolutely. Every, yeah. Once a year, he comes over and he takes his family to Wimbledon and, and we have a couple of days together and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, we're, in fact, we're friends now because we couldn't be before because right, yeah. we were both after the same thing and it, was, and it was very uh, tense. But nowadays, yeah, yeah, see him all the time. In fact, he's even taken me on a couple of holidays. Right. So uh, to the point so, where it's so, got weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. But uh, <laughs> but the funny thing clearly is is that uh, I got all the glory. He got all the money. Yeah. So, oh well, uh, then that's. Hey, look, you seem happy enough. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. Okay. He'd swap. Yeah. Yeah. Of course he would. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you know, like money isn't everything, is it? I mean, legacy and inspiring other people. And there's just job satisfaction. Of course, yeah, yeah. There's just job satisfaction. If yeah. the other things come as well, that's fine. But yeah. for, me, for me, it was just about job satisfaction. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a parent. You're a parent. Um, it must be really hard being, you know, the son of Daley Thompson and the, the shadow of a legacy. Um, I'll, I'll, you can talk about this as much as you want or don't want, so, you know, it's your call. Um, I'm very interested because um, my son's six, we're playing in the US Kids World Championship, the IMG World Championship. He's a great little player and I'm always like, well, how do I balance pushing him? Because I don't want a, a son who gives up first opportunity, so I don't want to be too soft on him. But I don't want him to hate the sport and my relationship with him. Do you have any sort of thoughts on that? Yeah, um, yeah I've got two sons that, uh, that want to play sport, one who's 24 and he wants to be a decathlete and another one that's 15 and he wants to be a, a rugby player. I, first and foremost, the, the major decision that I've made is that I want to be a dad and not a coach. Yeah. Because I, don't, I personally couldn't do both the jobs because they, they demand... They're different. But they demand, at the same time, they demand completely different yes. appraisals of, of the same thing that's going on. So, so I think that um, from my point of view, I'm happy that my boys, now more than happy, I'm ecstatic that my boys have a brilliant reason every morning to get up yeah. and that they're going to go out there and they're going to train and they're going to try and be a better player or, or athlete today than they were yesterday. Mm. And to see how motivated my two sons are is it, it makes me smile a lot. Yeah. But I don't, I don't encourage them. But what I do is, if one of them says, oh, let's go and do something, I'm the first one in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm carrying bags. I'm doing all the things that I said I would never do. I'm raking pits. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting bars up. Yeah. Because, that's you know, what you do for your because kids. that's what you do. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, I, I'm, really, I'm, I'm really proud of both of them. Yeah. But if they didn't want to do it, yeah. I, I don't. So, don't so you've anything. taken the angle that it's going to be their decision, you're not going to in any way push them, but if they decide, you're there. Absolutely, yeah. because they'll need help. Yeah. And you know, I know, I know bits about it and, and, would, and would love to help them, but it has to be their, 
yeah. their thing. It, it, it can't be mine. Sure. And, and one of the other things is, as you alluded to slightly before, is that it's really difficult to be the son or the, or the child of somebody who's really famous mm. because everybody has rose-tinted glasses. Yeah. And they think, oh, your dad was unbelievable. How can you do that? Or they go say, oh, you must be really good. Yeah. Oh, you're going to run really fast. And yeah. that kind of... Yeah, like they were just born with it because you had it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, that, and that sort of, I think, puts, puts a, lot of, a lot of kids off. Yeah. So actually, just me saying, oh, you were born with it. How much do you think of your or anyone's successes, genes, and you know, you were born to be a decathlete, and how much is, you know, the sweat on the training field, would you say? That's interesting. I, I think it's going to be different for, for everybody. But I think that some, for somebody like me or, or for me, I reckon that 80, 85% of it is physical. And you're, and you're born with it, yeah. and there's 10 or 15% that you can improve on. Yeah. But bearing in mind, you got the same scores as your arch rival, that's not even 15%, 10%, that's 1%, isn't it? So someone could have strength and genetics as good as you and, and not put it to proper use. Absolutely, and, and as I say, I've, I've met a couple of people who, who I thought were the most physically gifted people that I ever met. Mm. And there's been people that I thought worked harder than anybody I've ever met. Yeah. But there's not people with both. Yeah, yeah. So sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that any time you, you make an Olympic team or any time you make an Olympic final, you're going up yeah. to more and more rarefied air. Of course. You know, so that you know, when you get to the 100 metres in the Olympic final, that's probably six of the ten fastest people that's ever lived. Yeah. You know, so mm. there's, there's only a little bit between them all. Of course, yeah, yeah. What's, what would you say has been the best moment in your whole career? Truthfully? No, tell me a lie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, truthfully. The birth of my kids. Yeah. That's been the most fun thing because it's, not, yeah. because it's not... In the, because in the kind of sports that I play, you roughly... You know what the outcome is going to be. I work really hard, I'm really good, I come first or second. Yeah. That's, that's how it is. Yeah. And you know, if you pull a muscle, sure, but you can't, you can't cater for that. So I always come first or second because that's the place I'm supposed to come. And yeah. whoever's supposed to come fourth or fifth usually comes fourth or fifth. Occasionally people rise up and down, but that's a lucky thing. Mm. Generally, it goes the way it's supposed to go and the yeah. favourites win. Yeah. So I knew all about the sports, but yeah. I didn't realise how happy, jolly. How you would feel when your child children. was born. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, they're up to 28 now, my daughter, and it gets better. Yeah. It's the most incredible thing that's ever happened to you, and it gets better. Yeah. There's some shit bits in the middle. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but no, what seriously. Was that like 13 to 17? Yeah. My daughter, my, my daughter didn't sleep through the night until she was 12. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's no good. No, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. but other than that, no, seriously, it's... Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's just such a journey yeah. that you, they never tell you all about. And, of course. And then I probably wouldn't do it if they told you all about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think for me with the golf with Bobby, the connection, because um, we were talking before off, cam off camera that, you know, I've retired a few times in life and I do this because I can, because property's been nice to me and looked after me. Um, but, you know, I spend three hours a day with Bobby, you know, and there are a lot of parents who, you know, they kiss them before they've woke up, they kiss them when they've gone to bed. And Absolutely. 
I guess, you, you know, one great thing sport will give you with your children is you be with them, you're carrying their bags, you're there as part of their journey, you know, mm. you're, not the, you're not the dad that was never there. Mm. To me, that's the greatest gift. Yeah, no, no, sure. And yeah, that's, that's definitely one thing I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't change. It's been, it's been a good experience for me because you grow in other ways. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's funny the delusion you have when you're a parent because you feel like when I'm a parent and I've got to instill my values and lessons into the kid and then as soon as they're born you realise they teach you as much about life and yourself as, the, as you do to them. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, so now go back to where we sort of were but weren't was you basically said, I do my thing, I turn up, I'm first or I'm second. Like, and I really felt like that came through you like you just knew. Like, that's just a normal thing. Like, you breathe air, I finish first or second. No, but... And I didn't mean that in, like, you're being cocky. I meant that in, that, like... Well, the thing that's is... That's just your... The thing is, the, in sports, well, at least in the sorts of sports I do, is the stopwatch and the tape measure, they never lie. Yeah. So, so if I'm a 10-second runner, mm. and you're an 11-second runner... Or a 20-second runner. Yeah, yeah. You never beat me, isn't it? No. Yeah. And even if you get to smaller increments, that's kind of how it is. You know, unless, unless I've had the, a brilliant run, there's too much wind or I'm running downhill or something, yeah. you know. But so you never let those um, fears or doubts, because there must have been a fear or a doubt sometimes come in. Why? Well, I don't know, I'm asking you. No, but, but, <laughs> but again, that's, you, I personally don't practice six or seven hours a day to have fear and doubts. Why right. would I do it? The, the closest, the closest anything untoward ever happened to me was at the um, Los Angeles Olympics. And I was, I was winning the decathlon pretty easily. And uh, in the seventh event in the discus, uh, Jürgen Hinkson, the, the fella, he had two personal best throws and he'd gone from being way behind me to being quite far in front of me. And I had two crap throws. And if I didn't improve, then he would, have, he would, he would definitely win. So, all, the only thought in my mind, as I was walking in for my third attempt, was, you know what, you've had 4,000 throws this month, you've probably had 35,000 throws in the last year, you've never had three bad ones in a row. Whereas I suspect a lot of people walking into the circle... I've just had two bad throws. ...are, are shitting yeah, themselves. Yeah. And you know what? Guess who threw a personal best? That might be you. Yeah. <laughs> no, because... So it sounds like you've become a good self-coach in your mind. Yeah, it may, maybe it might be that I'm a good self-coach, but I also, I also know that good things happen to good people. Yeah. And, and I believe that. So there's a bit of faith in it as well. Absolutely. Faith in the process, faith in the Absolutely. practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect practice makes yeah. perfect. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, practice, I practice a lot. Yeah. You know, while I'm not anywhere near a world-class, for argument's sake, discus thrower, I know that I can always throw 45 metres or, yeah. or, or, or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, and, and I truly believe that good practice just make, it makes you stronger. Yeah, yeah so every time you go out, you're just, you've got the memory of everything you've absolutely. done. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely believe that. How do you think the world of athletics has changed? Well, I happened to compete in what must have been a golden age yeah. because football and rugby and cricket was, was rubbish. 
we weren't doing well on the, on the international stage at just about any sport. And my sport had just produced Seb Coe, Steve Cram, Steve Ovette. And I get to stand on the shoulders of those giants. I mean, I do a thing that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. And yet people were kind of half interested. Yeah. That's, I mean, that doesn't happen in... No. And, and fairy think, stories. And you think there's a, sort of an element of luck and timing Absolutely. and all no, of that? serendipity. Yeah. Because my strongest suit is that I'm the luckiest bloke in the world. Yeah. And I'll go, I'll go to my grave believing that because, yeah. you know, things yeah. normally go well for me. So you, you have the faith in the luck or look after you mm -hmm. and you balance it with uh, taking the opportunity when it's there. Absolutely. Can you think of any moments in your, in your career where... If you look back, that was that crux moment. That was that crux moment. Was there, you know, no, maybe like not. the chicken pox moment from the person? Any more of those? No, not really. No. I mean, it kind of, it, for, as you say, for, for 10 or 12 years, it was, all, it was, just, it was just going in a, mm. in a good line upwards. Yeah. And then you get old and, you know, you start wearing out and, <laughs> and, and you've got to retire. So, yeah. yeah. No, but, you know, it wasn't every month or every year or, or anything. There wasn't particular flashpoints or anything. No. Most things just kind of just like, steady. Just and like, yeah, just compounded momentum. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so we have a lot of subscribers who are just starting a new venture or want to start a new venture, and you've reinvented yourself in, you know, more than one way. What would you, you know, what... What could help you reinvent yourself and carry on and move into a different career and still have purpose and still be a happy person when you've leaving an old identity behind? Oh, that's a complicated question. Um, I, I just think that you've got, to, you've, got to do a, you've got to do a couple of things with your life. And, and that is, is that if you're trying to move on, you kind of have to understand where you're trying to get to. And, and what you want to do with yourself and, and all that. And, and that basically, you, d you just have to plan and give yourself you know, different goals and, and all that, whether it be short, medium or, or long-term goals. I think that you also have to, once you've done the planning, you have to prepare. So, so it's not much different than, than training for sports. You, you then you do all the preparation and if you need to learn about IT, then you go off and do it. You need to learn a new language, you go off and do it. You've got to find a new partner, go off and do it. So once you've done, and then, and it's probably the hardest thing you have to go and do, you have to persist. Because if you're trying to reach new heights and all that in, in whatever your endeavour is, if it's worth doing, it's going to be tough. And so you just have to keep knocking on the door and at, and at some point yeah. the door will open. Yeah. So I've become, over the last sort of four years, um, quite good friends with Frank Bruno. And I've interviewed him on the podcast and he's, he's done quite a lot of work with us, done some speeches for us. And he said to me that very early in his career, like 1920, um, you know, a coach of his says, you've got to think about your life after boxing. And, you know, I think it looked outside the media like, you know, the panto was just because everyone loved him and that kind of thing. But he had a bit of a plan. Um, did you have a real plan when you were young beyond your career? Would you advise athletes to plan a bit for, you know, you know in your world, you could have got an injury and you're done. Then what do you do? Absolutely, absolutely. 
my personality is all my eggs in one basket. All right, so you're all in. I'm all <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And my kids, I would say to them... Well, this is interesting. This I, would, I would say to them, understand what you're doing. Yeah. If, you, if you're going all in, I'm, I can see where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. But know that, you know, things out of your control happen mm. and that there is no harm having or making preparations for, for other things. Yeah. So, for instance, I would say to them, it's probably better to go to university yeah. and still do the training and, and all that kind of stuff. Buy a couple of properties on the side, that kind of thing? Anything, yeah. anything to, just in case. Yeah. But while it's not for me, I understand that it could easily yeah. be for, for other people. Yeah, okay, yeah. How important a role did your coach or coaches have in your career? They were kind of pivotal, but then again, kind of not. I would have been, I'd have been pretty good if you were coaching. <laughs> Golf. You'd have been the best <laughs> for 20 years, not yeah. 10 years. No, you no, no, I would have... Cut, no, no, I would have been, I was always going to be pretty good, don't yeah. you? Know, but whether I was going to be the best or not, yeah. that's, a, that's a different matter, because funnily enough, in the decathlon, my best is, let's pretend, eight, well, not pretend, 8,847. Yeah. And 47 points is two-tenths of a second in 100 metres. So it's nothing. Ooh. Right. One of my coaches once asked me, what did it, and we'd been training for five or six years together. So, as I say, 350 days. So we'd spent a lot of time, six hours a day. He said to me, what do, you, what do I think he's contributed? Yeah. And I said to him, 50 points. Yeah. And he was devastated. <laughs> he was absolutely devastated. But I said to him, 50 points takes me from being the third best bloke yeah. to being the best bloke. Yeah. I couldn't ask for any more from him. But he, honestly, he was so hurt. <laughs> yeah, I was think like, I would be, yeah. No, but it's the most important 50 points. Of course, yeah. Because it's the 50 points at the top. It's not the 50 points down the bottom, course, yeah. it's the 50 points at the top that, that I can't make, I can't make that jump without him. Yeah, yeah. But it's still only 50. Yeah, yeah. But right. he was hurt. No, he was, no, he was really hurt. He's great with that, won't he? He's gone. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> the next week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so what did he do to give you those extra 50 points? Do you know what? He just was there every single day, making sure that rain or shine we were out there doing it. Yeah. And that's all, just time spent. Yeah. And I mean, he had, he had pretty good knowledge of techniques and all that kind Did of stuff. Did he help you technically, would you Oh, say? absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, we were throwing the shot twice a day or the yeah. discus twice a day or probably, yeah, he was, mm. he, was, he was there doing it all, yeah. you know? And he was there, yeah. which was probably the most important thing. Mm. Yeah, because sometimes just knowing someone's there, in, probably in all walks of life, even if you don't really use them, knowing someone's there must give you a little bit of extra confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you, like the decathlon, as like surely it's, I'm not a very um, au fait on athletics, um, but surely it's the thing that must be the hardest to train for because how do you do so many disciplines? Because like you can't train all 10 every day, I assume. No, probably every other day or every three days. Yeah. You, you do most of the things. For, funnily enough, you do like upper body, lower body. Not, you know, quite, so not no. quite, but, but funnily enough, the, the guy that we're, that we're talking about, Bruce, he, um, his idea was that 
if you ever get yourself in a stressful situation, the things that you don't like are the things that are going to let you down. So his idea was that we would always do the things that we were worst at twice as often right. as the things so you do. Instead of working on your strengths as a focus, you're working on your weaknesses. Absolutely. So your weaknesses get better yeah. and your strengths kind of stay the same. Yeah. And do you, do you still think that's the right philosophy? I think it's a brilliant philosophy because there are always going to be points where your things are not necessarily going well and you want to be able to, you want to have the confidence to know that they're not going to get any worse. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose 47 points, if you, the difference between putting 0.1 seconds on your 100 or three metres down on the discus, yeah. I guess the downside's bigger than the upside, is Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it is. Mm. So it sounds like maths was probably quite an important <laughs> part of this. His, his maths was... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he did, he did bring that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So if anyone's watching who is a decathlete... What the hell are they doing yeah. watching this? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we probably haven't got that many decathletes. Um, you know, but, but what, what wisdom can you impart? I don't think it's any different to, no. to the stuff we were, we were just talking a minute ago because I think that nearly all endeavours require you the, the, the same basic attributes. You, you know, you have to be, you have to be tenacious. You, you have to believe in what you're doing. You have to go and train and prepare. And so, so you know, to be better at stuff it's not rocket science. Mm. What it is, is usually lots of hard work. Yeah. Wh whatever that thing is you're doing. But, mm. you know, I, I don't think most things are rocket science. People try and make stuff complicated. Of course. Yeah. And because, usually because they're going to make some money out of it. Mm. But I don't think, I think you can kind of cut away all the bullshit. Mm. And what you're left with is a lot of hard work. A, a long period of time to get better and you kind of... Did you used to watch other athletes? Were you inspired by other athletes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All, the, all the time. And, mm. and not necessarily the ones you would think. Some of the people I think are the best athletes that I've ever had the, the pleasure to, to either watch or to know have been people who train like I used to train for fun. You know, you, you go down to any athletics club, people are there four or five days a week and they are training two or three hours a day. And in terms of time, they're pretty rubbish or pretty average. But in terms of commitment, they're Olympic champions. Yeah. You know, and... Because some people don't have the attributes, do they? Absolutely, they, yes. But they have the heart. Absolutely. Mm. And those are the people that, that I think to myself, yeah, I, I like your style. Mm because you've got no reason to be here on this wet and windy day and yeah. you're out here and you've been out here. I've been here three hours, you've been here longer than me. Yeah. And, you know, and, I, and I think those are the guys that, that inspire me. Yeah. I think sometimes the celebrity world or the media world, you know, they pedestalise all the, the most successful people. Um, but I personally am inspired by everyone. I think humanity is inspiring, not just the person who's the best. Mm. So. Mm. Okay, so if you could go back to, I don't know, that time when the, the, the chap had chicken pox and you started decathlon for the first time and you know what you know now, being a coach to you, what advice would you give to yourself? Don't change a thing. Okay. Do you know why? Because I've had the best life of anybody I've ever met. Mm. And you know, 
95, 99% of it has gone exactly the way it should have done. And the odd couple of things about you know, like, you know, pulling a muscle or having to retire, that shit happen, happens. Isn't it? Exactly. So yeah, I would, I would, there's, there's nothing I would change. You know, because it's been all right. Yeah. It's been all right. Yeah. This podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. What does that word mean to you, disruptive? I think... Uh, Someone's laughing in the yeah. background there. I think it's, <laughs> it's mostly about not necessarily doing it the way that everybody else does it. Yeah. And, and I think that's probably uh, a good value to have. Yeah. Because there are, as I've found in life, there are many ways to skin a cat. Yeah. And of course, you know, you can be conventional and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't mean to say it's the only way. Mm. I think that um, there's no harm in trying to find an easier, shorter way to do stuff. Yeah. But that shouldn't necessarily mean that you leave all the fundamentals, sure. but shouldn't necessarily stop you looking. Mm. And um, how do you think you were different? I think that I was very lucky in when I first started I trained with a bunch of guys who, while not internationally very good, they were really dedicated and really committed. And so that when I first started as a 16-year-old, as I was doing six days a week because that's what they were doing. Yeah. And so I just was lucky enough to... So being around good people. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's the best way to learn. Is to be around people with good habits. Yeah, because you tend to do what they do. Absolutely. Because you've done any different. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I just think that yeah, that's as I said, I'm the luckiest bloke in the world. Yeah. Okay. I'm really grateful for you giving your time to this. No problem. Thank you very much. Can you let us know what your interests are now? Maybe where people can follow you, or I don't, I don't know if you have. Oh the no, daily do I have to look down no, Yeah, you do. No, you can find me on the dailyfiveminutes.co.uk, <laughs> which is written in the back there. Which is written on a on a very nice piece of paper, being held by my niece. <laughs> favorite niece, you've got to say. Oh, sorry, my favorite niece. Uh, and thank you for arranging this. Um, so, what is daily five minutes? Daily five minutes is a a whole lot of five-minute exercises. Because, you know, everybody says, I want to get fit, but yeah. I've got no time. Mm. So we've, we've done these exercises, five minutes worth, and we've got three, three different levels, which are beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And anybody can do them, because they go anything from just doing simple lunges to doing press-ups on your knees and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's just really to encourage people who say they are very time poor. Sure. Yourself, do you do much? Exercise, yeah. do my best. I, I built a gym in my basement. Ah, but do you use it? Yeah, about four times a week. I'm just sitting next to you, your guns are out, and I'm, I'm feeling a little bit. <laughs> what do you say about comparing yourself to others? <laughs> I try, yeah. I think, I mean, I used to do a lot of martial arts, I had a couple of black belts, so I'm comparing myself to my mid-twenties when I was, you know, a different life. But I think it's really important. Yeah. Bobby does karate. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important to do sports. And I'm just building an outdoor gym. So I've got, um, I figure if I spend a load of money on it, then- um, Then you have to be forced have to, yourself to, to it, use yeah. it. Yeah. Because then Gemma will be like, you spend all that money on that gym. So I just bought this 100 kilo tire and I right. flipped that and I can't yeah. walk now. All so right. 
That's an excellent, good Try idea. Yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you what, how about one day you come down and do one of my circuit classes? I would hate, I'd love to, <laughs> yeah, I would love to. <laughs> uh, that puts a bit of fear into me, but you know, you've got to make yourself uncomfortable. Haven't you? Well, I think every once in a while, if you come to the big city, you might yeah. as well. All right, well, we'll, we'll shake on that then. That's All right. very Kind so, of, you, uh. so you guys, you guys have seen this. He's going to come idiot. to the gym Cut it out. by the summer. He's coming by the summertime. All right. Well, I'm getting married in seven weeks, so I might need to come here about a day before the suit fitting. Okay. <laughs> we'll just wire, wire your jaws shut. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. You'll be yeah. fine. All right. So if anybody's anywhere near Putney at any point and they live here, why don't you come down and we'll give you a free session. You can come down and spend a couple of hours. All you've got to do is mention the disruptive, disruptive. <laughs> disruptive entrepreneur. entrepreneur. Georgie, take two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Go on, you do it. No, all right. No, you did good. You did good. They, they know what the podcast is. So, um, Also, um, we were talking earlier about you sometimes do like charity auctions and you'll do a session or something. Mm -hmm. So if, we could, if I could raise enough money from the community and donate to your charity, okay. maybe you could do that? Yeah, we could probably do yeah. something. All right, then. So maybe we'll talk about that. Yeah, that's what, a good idea. Who do you support? Uh, either Bernardo's... Your, your ambassador? Yeah, or yeah. Marie Curie or... Okay. Yeah, with the, I do usually do a couple of charities yeah. a year. So. All right, well, we, we try and do our bit as well, so we'll that's try and get nice. you a few grand and then maybe that'll help. Okay. All right, real pleasure. Oh, listen, Rob, Thank you. enjoyed it. Thank you. Rob again, stay with me here because I've got a gift for you. I get asked for these a lot and I thought, well, I'll, I'll leverage my time and yours and I will put these four things I get asked a lot into a free gift for you. So if you go to tiny.cc forward slash Rob's report, then what I've done is I've written for you an article on the top 21 apps I use to create the mobile lifestyle. I've written an article on the 14, my most favorite educational, inspirational, informative documentaries of the you know, most inspiring people in the world. I've written uh, which ones they are and a synopsis of each one. I'm very well known for having lots of very specific goals, detailed vision values. So I'm sharing with you my particular document I use, I've PDF'd it for you. And also the fastest ways I know to make money for startup and scale up entrepreneurs. So I've written an article and a detailed report on each one. I've put them all into one. And all you have to do is go to tiny.cc forward slash Rob's report. You get those for free. I'll never ask anything from you, spam. I'll never spam you, never sell to you. And then also once a week, I'll send you a new article or a new video content that's a bit different that maybe you wouldn't get normally from the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. So I hope you find that useful. Remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.